to welcome all of our campuses to the eighth and the final week of our series entitled Be Happy. Come on, let's just welcome all those that are joining us. Yes. We are completing the longest series that we've ever done at Church of the King. Actually, it's not been eight weeks, it's 10 weeks. And uh, it's an eight-week series, but we took off uh, two weeks. We had Easter, and then we had my good friend, Pastor Jacob Aranza, uh, teach a message on marriage. But for those of you that have not been here, uh, we've been teaching through the very first sermon that Jesus ever taught. Matter of fact, the very first part of the first sermon, the first sermon he taught was called the Sermon on the Mount. The first part of that is actually called the Beatitudes. There are eight different Beatitudes. Now, interestingly, each one of them starts with the word blessed. Everybody say it. Again, if you circle that word in your Bible, the word blessed actually is translated happy, happiness. So in other words, Jesus was giving a prescription to his disciples as he was on the mount. Listen, the mount of Beatitudes, which is a mount range surrounding the Sea of Galilee. And he was telling them, if you do this, if you do this, happier those. Matter of fact, happier those that are poor in spirit, for they shall what? They shall experience the kingdom of heaven. Happier those that mourn. In other words, he was giving them a prescription for happiness. Somebody once said, you know what? I just know that I'm gonna be happy one day when I go to heaven. Well, yeah, that's gonna be really good. But how many know you can experience the happiness and the joy of Jesus in the here and now? You don't have to wait to... Till you get to heaven. We said three things about this series. Number one, we said that Jesus is our model. We've been teaching the person of Christ, again, fully God, but yet he was fully a man. He lived on this earth for 33 years. So Christ is our model. We've been looking at him. Number two, we said that it is impossible to live the Beatitudes in our own strength. In other words, we need God's help to live out the Beatitudes. We don't do this by our willpower. We do this by Holy Spirit power. Oh, by the way, I wanna say this to all of our campuses. I'm really excited. Next week, I'm starting a four-part series called With. I'm gonna be talking about the, who the Holy Spirit is, what the Holy Spirit wants to do in our lives, the gifts of the Spirit, the fruits of the Spirit, how the Holy Spirit empowers us. It's a message. I think it's a lot of confusion about the Holy Spirit, the whole church world. You know, what is the Holy Spirit? How does that work today? And, and does God live actually in us? Is God like way far away from us? So you don't want to miss that series. The third thing that I said is this about the Beatitudes. Number one, I said Jesus is our model. Number two, we can't live the Beatitudes in our own strength. We need the help of God to do it. But the third thing I said is this, that when you and I actually begin to live out the Beatitudes, which really is the Christian life, we're going to look differently. In other words, things are going to change about us, our speech, our behavior. In other words, your beliefs impact your behaviors. Don't tell me you believe something if it doesn't translate into a behavioral change. It begins with a belief, but the outworking is a behavioral impact and change. And I said from the very beginning, that when we begin to live out the Beatitudes, there is a dimension of our life. Our lives begin to take on the characteristics of Christ. In other words, we begin to live differently. Now, I want to say this. When you and I begin to live the Christian life, we begin to live out the Beatitudes. I just want to say up front, not everybody's going to be excited about it. Not everybody's going to give you a high five. Matter of fact, I think it is so important that Jesus left this last Beatitude this last one, number eight, and I want to say this, I, this is a, a, a very heavy message, 
Uh, I, I actually prepared it this last few weeks. Matter of fact, when I saw it coming, I thought, my gosh, you know, this is, this is a, a kind of a Brussels sprouts message again. Are you, if you don't know, you weren't here last week, and where were you? Where were you, by the way? But, but, but I, I say this in the fear of the Lord as a pastor. This is a message that, um, matter of fact, I can't ever remember teaching a message. 21 years, I've taught different aspects of this, but a whole message. But here's the challenge when you actually teach through Bible text. You actually have to teach the whole part of it. If I did seven Beatitudes and skipped the eighth, you go, hey, pastor, somebody emailed me. You skipped the eighth. What's wrong? So we're going to deal with a message today that is a very serious and a very sober message. Now, the cool thing about it is it begins with the same word. Everybody say blessed. So in other words, how happiness and persecution go together, only Jesus can tell us that. And I believe that we're going to find that out today. All right, here we go. We finish up the series. Have y'all enjoyed this series? Say wasn't real resounding. I know some of you are thinking about what I just said before that. All right, here we go. Matthew chapter 5. Remember, these are the words of Jesus. Matthew chapter 5, verse 10. Last beatitude, number 8. Blessed or happy. Blessed are those who are persecuted. Whoa. For righteousness sake. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. In other words, Scripture is saying, happy are you when you follow the way of Jesus and you experience persecution for it. When you do, you will experience heaven's peace and blessing on earth. Happy are you when you are persecuted for righteousness' sake. I believe it's interesting that Jesus actually leaves this last beatitude for that. He's telling the disciples, matter of fact, it's almost like he sent a warning signal. He said, all right, we've talked about mercy. We've talked about grieving with people and mourning with people. We've talked about humility. We've talked about being merciful. But now I just want to say this, guys. Again, he's teaching his disciples. The Mount of Beatitudes, he said, listen, it's like there's this warning signal. Don't think that everybody's going to be excited when you begin to live the Beatitudes and the Christian life. You guys ever see those races, you know, of course... You know, maybe you've been in one of the road races, you know, and, and, and people are coming to the finish line, you know, and sometimes they have family and friends there or different people and, and they're cheering you on and kind of high-fiving you, you know, and the people are running and they cross the line. And, and here's what Jesus said. This is what this is about. Here's what he said. Don't think that everybody's going to be high-fiving you when you give your life to Christ because not everybody's going to be showing up doing that. As a matter of fact, it's not only going to be I know this is a double negative. It's not only going to be not high fives, it can actually be other things. In other words, don't count it strange. Don't think it's unusual when everybody in your family or your friends or in your workplace or in your campus at school, don't think it's strange when everybody doesn't get excited. When you give your heart to Christ, you become a full court Christian. I remember when I gave my heart to Christ, there were people around me, people in family, people around, matter of fact, my brother. My brother actually told me this. He said, Steve, what have you done, man? Have you lost your mind? Look, man, you just, everything you're into, you're kind of like into it. But you're going to kind of, you're going to, you're going to cool that down. You're, you're going to come back. Come back to what? 
What am I going to come back to? I remember my blood father, who's an agnostic, and he's now in heaven. He was led to Christ on his deathbed. Come on, isn't that powerful? On his deathbed. He, I remember what he said. He goes, oh, Steve, listen, all right, do you really believe the scripture? And I mean, do you really believe that? I mean, the Bible's, it's, it's, it's got good thoughts, almost like it's a book of just kind of nice moral teaching. You don't really believe that's God's word. Do you really believe? I bet, I, I, let me just say, whether it's your family, whether it's your friends, my friends weren't all excited about when I gave my heart to Christ. I was, like, I was in college. And all, here it is, all, all of a sudden I'm talking about Jesus and Christ has changed my life. And let me tell you one of the reasons why. It's because the changes that Christ has made in your life and your life begins to change, it now brings light to where their life is. And they come under conviction. And they're not high-fiving you. I mean, there may be some, but not everybody. Jesus says, listen, bless it. Everybody say, happy are you. When you are persecuted for righteousness sake. Whoa. Truth is, it's painful when people that are close to you, they can hurt you. If somebody drives by you, they say something about you. That doesn't really hurt you if you don't know them, but people that are in your home, people that are close to you, people that maybe work with you every day, and all of a sudden they say something about you, it hurts you. And there, are, there is persecution. And this is a heavy message, but, but as a pastor, if I'm teaching through the Beatitudes, I've got to teach number eight in the fear of the Lord. You've got to hear this. Jesus himself said that when you give your heart to Christ and you become a follower of Christ, persecution is part of that. Now, by the way, there's a continuum of persecution. Persecution for some could be where people are not real happy because you're maybe not doing some of the things with them after work that you're doing previously and they feel a little convicted about the changes in your life. It can go from that or a comment all the way to imprisonment in some nations and even being a martyr for Christ. So persecution, there's a continuum based upon what culture you live in, based upon the environment in which you're following Jesus in. The truth is, people are ridiculed and mocked for their faith all over the globe. In the United States, particularly in different industries, there's a lot of persecution. It's been increasing in our nation, whether different industry, entertainment industry. We have a lot of people in the entertainment industry. We have people that are close friends. So I said, Pastor, can I tell you, man, if you are bold, if you even, if people know that you're actually a born again Christian, that you follow the scripture, that you believe that this book's inspired by God, they think you're crazy. And you've got to just, man, you've got to be real careful what you say and how you say it. And what the, the academia. The university, I know we have university professors, we appreciate all that, and I believe in education. I have a college degree from Tulane University, I have a master's degree, I'm finishing my doctorate degree, so I believe in education. But I'm gonna tell you something, if you go to a secular university, you better know what you believe and why you believe and be equipped with a biblical worldview. You better know what you believe. I gave my heart to Christ at Tulane University, which is not a Christian university, by the way. And I enjoyed my time there. I'm tell you, I came under a tremendous, tremendous persecution. I'm talking about in the late 80s, 87, 88, 89. Why? Because you, you're a follower of Christ. I don't know why we think it's strange. Jesus says, blessed are you when you are persecuted. Everyone say persecuted. Well, how do you respond? There's often three responses to persecution. Number one is we often cave in. We cave into culture. We cave into the pressure because people are making fun of you, because you're a born-again Christian, because you actually believe the Bible. So we, 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 we cave in. We, ca we capitulate to culture because we want to be popular. I mean, nobody wakes up and says, today, I, I, I want to lose popularity. I'm going to see how many people can get mad at me today. No, nobody does that. 
And I'm not suggesting at all that we shouldn't have good social interactions with people and prosper and all that at work. But I'm going to tell you something. If you're a follower of Christ and you believe in biblical values in the 21st century in the United States of America, you know I mean, so, so what do we do? We crater into it. Well, I just want, shh, shh, don't tell anybody that you're actually a Christian. Don't do that. Or number two, we crater into self-pity. Well, God, you know, I tell you, why is it, you know, I, I, I'm being persecuted for my faith. You ought to thank God if you live in the United States. You ought to thank God you live in the United States. If you live in, in, in different, there's nations I'm going to talk about in the moment. It's, persecution is much more radical outside of the United States. Are you with me? So sometimes we cave in, we crater, or we crank up the heat. And what I mean by cranking up the heat, some people just go on the total offense and they become obnoxious with their faith. Screaming at people, yelling veins everywhere, and they're just like, it's almost like they're mad. It's like, whoa, you really look like Christ. I believe there's a better way. Everyone say, better way. I believe that God gives us a better way. Jesus made it clear in Scripture that we are going to experience resistance. We're going to experience opposition when we become full court believers in Jesus. Matter, matter of fact, out of all the Beatitudes, there's only one, there's seven. Blessed are those, boom, and here's the promise. Okay, blessed are those. But number eight, I think because Jesus knew that the disciples needed some extra equipping, he actually gives some commentary. Verse 11, commentary to verse 10. You guys ready? He goes a little bit deeper. Here's what he says. <clears throat> blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice. Boy, isn't that exciting? Easy for you to say, Jesus. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad. Can you believe that that is actually going in the same sentence with persecution? Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Now, the word persecution Jesus uses here, it actually means to harass to trouble and to mistreat. He reiterates, if you, listen, if you follow me in any culture, remember, there's a continuum. It could be your friends don't like you because they get upset because some of your behavioral changes now bring conviction to, to, to uh, in, in, in something where it's illegal to talk about Christ, to imprisonment, to being martyred for Christ. There's a continuum. Jesus was very clear with this. And by the way, I want to make one qualification. In this message, I'm going to qualify a lot of things. He says, blessed are you when you're persecuted for righteousness sake. Everybody say righteousness sake. Now, I know that some Christians do certain things that I would not, uh, it would not be equal in my mind to righteousness sake. It's just foolishness. And they call that persecution. For example, I have a friend of mine who's a preacher. And he said that he went to lunch with this guy in the church. And they, they ordered their food and the the and their food was brought to the table and they were getting ready to eat. And here's what the guy said. Then the preacher's telling me this story. He says, all of a sudden, the guy stands up and they're in the restaurant. He goes, hey, I'm getting ready to eat. I need everybody to bow their heads in the restaurant. We're going to pray over our meals. Waiter, the, the manager comes up. Hey, hey, hey. Now the, guy, the guy was insistent too. He's like, he wanted full command of the whole restaurant. And the guy, you know, the man said, hey, and the guy goes, you see that? There's persecution. My preacher friend. I said, well, what did you do? He says, man, I was under the table. That guy's a nut. <laughs> Remember, Jesus didn't say when you're persecuted for foolishness sake. It's righteousness sake. Everybody say righteousness sake. 
You can't make the whole entire restaurant bow their heads to pray when you're about. No, standing up for Christ is standing for the truth of the gospel in the situation that you're in, not imposing everybody bowing their heads at a restaurant in the name of Jesus. Let's make sure that we define the terms correctly and we understand the implications. Fortunately, in America, the United States of America, I want to qualify that. There's North America, there's South America. But fortunately, in the United States, at least right now, we are not persecuted to the point of imprisonment or the death of the gospel like other parts of the globe. Um, religious freedom is under attack globally. Uh, it is one of the privileges that we still enjoy. I don't know how long we're going to enjoy it, but I'm grateful that we do enjoy it. You ought to read the Constitution. You ought to read the first amendment. The first amendment of the Constitution was the freedom of religion, the freedom to be able to assemble, to be able to worship God freely according to the dictates of their own conscience. That is very important. I'm grateful for the first amendment. I'm grateful that I have a right as a United States citizen that we can gather today. But if that right was taken away, I would still worship Jesus. Are you with me? We're going to still worship Christ. We need to contend for that. Don't misunderstand. We need to contend for that. We need to believe because religious rights are important. By the way, all over the globe. But, that, that, but it's not happening all over the globe. In other words, persecution in Syria. Let me give you some examples here. Increasingly around the world, we're seeing believers harassed, thrown in prison, even killed for the sake of Christ. North Korea. What the most persecuted nation in the world for people that are Christ followers is North Korea. I'm going to give you some statistics and a website for you to go to in just a moment. I know some of you guys are like, what is he talking about? I just signed up for Jesus because I just wanted to be nice to my neighbor. I mean, you know, you got to teach the whole Bible. North Korea, tremendous persecution. You say you're a Christian there? Trust me. It's going to be more than your car being egged. North Korea, Libya, Iran, Iraq. Northern Nigeria, I've preached all over Nigeria. Northern Nigeria, that's very radical against Christians. India, India right now, the government in India has shifted. All Christian missionaries have been pushed out. Matter of fact, we can't even as a church do mission trips in India right now. Why? There's such extreme, there's a radical Hindu government that is so extreme against Christianity. Christians, uh, uh, Christian preachers have been pushed out. Syria, Egypt. Some of you guys understand what's going on there. I'm going to talk about that in just a moment. Uh, China, we'll talk about that. Newsweek recently reported that persecution and genocide of Christians across the world is worse today than in any time of history. Approximately 215 million Christians worldwide are experiencing very high to extreme persecution. Remember, there's a continuum. Friends mad at you at work, all the way to being martyred for your faith. It's all persecution. It's a continuum. In China, we're seeing persecution at record levels like that. For example, let me just qualify a couple things about China, all right? I've been to China five times. I have a daughter from China. There are some very nice, wonderful, godly people. And by the way, the church is exploding in China. It's underground. Underground doesn't mean it's like under the soil. Are you with me? It means that it's, it's unregistered churches. Right? There are registered churches in China that the government monitors. You can't preach Christ. You can't preach Jesus is the only because they believe their emperor. They believe their leader is God. But let me just tell you, so I, I, I've had the opportunity in 2015, I went with my daughter to preach and did leadership training with underground church leaders. I'm part of a ministry called Equip. You guys know that with John Maxwell. I had the opportunity to go there. And I'm going to tell you something. When I was there, my, my daughter and I, we had lunch 
we had lunch with what they call uncles. The uncles are pastors. You don't call them pastors, you call them uncles. I want everybody to look at me, this is important. When we were ever lunch, these guys were 60s, 70s, there were some younger ones, but every one of the pastors in their 60s and 70s, every one of them, every one of them in 1978 and 1979, every one of them were tortured for Christ because they were Christians. Every one of them were tortured. And they said that same persecution is now coming in their nation. It's global right now. Persecution that's happening. By the way, I've got a website. You need to check this out. Persecution.com. Can you put that up? Leave that up for it. You go to there. It's Voice of the Martyrs. And they will give you stories all over the world of real life. Again, the reason why this is so foreign to us in the United States is up to this point, up to this point. I don't know how long it's going to be like that, but up to this point, we have enjoyed First Amendment protection that we can worship God freely. I rode on the back of a moped in Indonesia for two weeks and was preaching in underground churches. You can't preach Christ publicly in Indonesia. Blessed are you when you are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. As a pastor, I think it's important for us to share about where we are globally, we have Christian brothers and sisters around the world. We're going to pray for them at the end of the service. We're going to pray for our nation. We're believing for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Now, here's the cool thing about this. I want everybody to understand me. Culture, everybody here, culture is not getting better. Culture, according to the Bible, is decay. We may be scientifically advanced and breakthroughs medically and different things like this, but we're talking about the degeneracy of mankind. Culture's not getting better, it's getting worse. Let me tell you, the only thing that's keeping culture uplifted at this point in time is the Word of God, the Holy Spirit, and born-again Christians. That's the only thing right now. <laughs> Pastor, why do you say that? Because Jesus himself said it. He says, you are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. That's what Jesus said. Now, here's the thing. I don't know why we get freaked out about it when we hear about persecution, whether it's in our nation and it's increasing or around the world. Jesus said it was gonna happen. And by the way, when you get persecuted for your faith, I, I, I believe the enemy sends it, but God does allow it at levels because it does press you into Christ. When I was at Tulane University, I gave my heart to Christ. Everybody wasn't excited about it. And it hurt what they said. It hurt what my friend said about me. I'm partying, getting loaded in uptown New Orleans. I get born again, and now all of a sudden I'm preaching to those same people. And I'm gonna tell you, they mocked me, but it pushed me into Christ. You know what it did? It pushed me into the Word of God. It pushed me into the Holy Spirit. It pushed me into Christian. But why? Because what persecuted, it actually acts as an agency. In the Bible, you see preaching, persecution, and outpouring of power. It's a pattern. And we shouldn't, we shouldn't think it's such a foreign thing. The book of Acts chapter four. It's all through the book of Acts. It's all through the book of Acts. How many of you know Jesus knew that those disciples on that mountain that day, that they were gonna have to be equipped. They were gonna have to know so they didn't freak out, take their glove and go home and go, I didn't know this was part of the package. How many people you know? They got a little bit hot in the office. They got a little bit hot because they were Christians. They got a little bit, you know, how many people you know gave, your, gave, your heart to, gave their heart to Christ with you? Where are they today? Are they walking with Jesus? Are, are they, I'm asking you, are they walking with Christ? What happened? There were some comments. They got distracted. The world came around them. They were, they, they, they were lied to. They believed it got, a little, it got a little bit of pressure. They backed off. Acts chapter four, it's a pattern. Everybody say preaching, persecution, power. 
Acts chapter four. So they called them and commanded them. Peter and John, first disciples. By the way, Peter and John were on the mountainside hearing Jesus say this. Thank God Jesus said it because they were equipped. You know what I'm doing with you today? I'm equipping you. Whatever country you live in, whether it's United States, whatever country, I'm equipping you. Acts chapter four, so they called them and commanded them not to speak at all. The Sanhedrin said, you can't speak in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said, whether it's right in the sight of God to listen to you more than, uh, to listen to you more than God, you judge. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen in her. In other words, we're going to preach. So when they had further threatened them, they let them go finding no way for punishing them. By the way, they were punished. <laughs> they ultimately were punished many times throughout the book of Acts because the people, since they all glorified God, and here's what they said, we have to obey God over man. We have to obey God. Everybody say, obey God. We gotta obey God. Aren't, we have Christian brothers and sisters that are in persecuted nations all over the world. They're a threat. You can't preach Christ. They don't have First Amendment protection. Thank God for our First Amendment protection, but if that's removed, we still have to preach Christ. We still have to stand up for Jesus. How many of y'all believe that that would be in the Bible according to scripture? We got to stand up for God regardless of any culture that we live in. Don't be surprised. Look at verse 31. When they prayed right after persecution. Remember, it's preaching persecution power. Right after that, they prayed. The place where they were assembled together was shaken. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Remember, remember. Here's the cool thing about it. Whenever persecution comes and we stand for Christ, boom, God pours out his spirit. He pours out his spirit. I want the Holy Spirit to be upon my life. How about you? I want the spirit of God. Matter of fact, you know what those Sanhedrin said? Those guys have been with that guy, Jesus. I want people looking at me and say, that guy's been with Jesus. He's been with Jesus. All right, here's what I want to do. I want to give you guys three things. Don't be surprised. Don't be surprised when persecution comes. It could be persecution from family because you've sold out. By the way, I've been all over in, in, in Malaysia. I was preaching to Tamil Indians that were Hindus. And here's the thing. They said when they gave their hearts to Christ and were water baptized, their family would actually have a funeral service and consider them dead. Question, would you follow Christ if your family had a funeral service and considered you dead? I'm asking you that. I'm asking everybody. Would you? Or is your love and allegiance to human family even above the kingdom of God in Christ? That's important. That's important. Do we love Christ above all else? I'm going to give you guys three ways to stand in the face of persecution. Number one, three ways to stand in the face of persecution. You really need to go on that website, persecution.com. I know some of you that are checking out Christianity you say, woo, this place is crazy. No, it's not. It's the Bible. It's the Bible. And I would be, I, I would be an illegitimate shepherd, an under-shepherd of Christ if I didn't teach you the full counsel of God. And this is part, there's good stuff. God loves you. God wants to prosper you. God wants to make you a success. That's not the whole gospel. That's part of it. Are you with me? The other side of it is in this life, you're going to experience persecution for Christ. That's the other side of the coin. Read Hebrews chapter 13. All right, here's three things. You guys ready? Say yes. I know you're listening. I know you're leaning in. Here they are. Number one, accept pruning is God's process. Accept pruning. God does not send persecution, the enemy does, but God will allow persecution to press us into Christ. John chapter 15, verse one and two, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away and every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. 
This is a powerful metaphor that Jesus uses here. It's a metaphor throughout scripture. I, I, I love the power of language that's used. And what he talks about is that he is, watch this, he is the vine and we are the branches. And there's a pruning process that takes place. The goal of pruning is not to destroy the branch, it's to position the branch for fruitfulness. Persecution prunes us and God allows it because it positions us for fruitful impact in the kingdom of God, for winning people to Christ, for making disciples. By the way, at the Little Creek campus, I know we've got our other campuses that are watching, but our Little Creek campus, about two weeks ago, I pulled onto the campus and there's a main boulevard that goes up to the building. And there's these, and there's these trees and I don't know, we've been in this uh, six years in, the, in this building, in our, in our new building at the Little Creek campus in Mandeville, and there's these trees where the tops are all cut off two weeks ago. I don't know if y'all saw that. And, and, and I, I called somebody, I said, because I don't, part of my gift is not floristry. Um, I, I, I just, you know, and I know what looks good. I don't know how it started. I don't know what it's called, but I thought that looks nice. But the tops are, I said, man, what is that? I don't ever recall that. They said, well, that's crepe myrtles. I said, well, I knew that, <laughs> kind of. And, and, and so they said they're, they're pruning them and they grow real fast in the spring. The goal of pruning the crepe myrtle was not to kill it. It was, it, to, it was actually to prune the branches back to produce more what, say it? Fruitfulness. Did you see it? God allows persecution in our life because you know what it does? It purifies your faith. Why are you in this thing? Why, why are you serving Jesus? It's, does it cost you anything? Are you with me? That's important. It, it purifies your faith. It basically identifies who really is a follower of Jesus or who's just in it for a social club. We're in this for Christ. We're in this for allegiance to the kingdom of God. This is, by the way, this is not all there is. You realize there's an eternity after this. Right, Y'all do realize that. I'm 52. I remember when I was hitting home runs in Dixie Youth. Come on, are y'all with me? Life is moving fast. It's moving real fast. Wow. Number one, accept pruning is God's process. Number two, the second thing that we see here is that we live planted. So number one, we've got to realize that. The disciples were equipped that day on the Mount of Beatitudes. And the reason why they didn't quit in Acts chapter 4, in Acts chapter 5, in Acts chapter 6 is because their preacher told them it's coming. Their preacher told them it's coming. The preacher is Jesus. If I'm your preacher, I'm telling you it's coming. You better be ready to stand for Christ at any level it is. Whoo, it's heavy. Well, it's just the Bible. Jesus shows us how to prepare and get ready for the inevitable storms and persecution. Number one, everybody say, accept pruning. Number two, everybody say, live planted. Look at John chapter 15, verse four. Abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, I am the vine, and you are the branches. He who abides in me, you don't abide in the branches, you abide in the vine. Whoever abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. Remember, this is about fruitfulness. The, the cool thing about it is the, the nations where there's great persecution, there's great explosion of the church. Church is exploding in India. Church is exploding in China right now. Church is exploding in Iraq. Exploding. Because Christians are pressing into God. He says, I and him, and bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. 
If you want to live a strong and fruitful life, it starts with abiding. The word abide actually means to remain. It doesn't mean every now and then. It means remain in Jesus. Stay plugged into Jesus. Stay pressed into the word of God. Stay pressed into prayer. Stay pressed into worship. Stay plugged in. Stay plugged in. Stay plugged in. How do people, how did the disciples, listen, how did they not quit and take their glove and go home? How in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 8, Acts chapter 9, Acts chapter 10, Acts chapter 11, how? Because they were plugged into the vine. They were plugged into the vine. Question, are you plugged into the vine? Now, I want to help everybody. We plugged into the vine. The vine gives us sustenance. The other branches give us support. If you're plugged into branches, you'll quit and go home when the heat gets hot. But if you're plugged into the vine, the other branches are important. Church is important. Relationships are important. But being connected to people in church without being connected to Jesus is not enough to keep you connected. You need both. You need, but it starts with the vine. It starts with the vine. It starts with the vine. Are we connected to the vine? One of my concerns as a pastor is what's happened this last year, how people have gotten out of rhythm. They've gotten out of rhythm, spending time with God. They've gotten out of rhythm of, of being in the house of God. They've gotten rhythm out of, and thank God that people are coming back. I'm going to tell you something. We need to be, let me tell you something. In, in, in nations where there's heavy persecution of the gospel, they don't take religious, they don't, let me tell you, they get with the brethren and they worship and they cry out to God because it is their very life. It is their very life. Everybody say, live planted. I need to be planted in the vine. Question, are you planted in the vine? Are you spending time in this word? 1991, 1992, I smuggled Bibles into China. And I was part of a team, and, uh, we, and, and I, we talked to some of the leaders. This is 30 years ago. I've been to China many, 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 many times. And we smuggled Bibles into China. I remember meeting one pastor that said they had the book of 1 Timothy for 10 years. That's all they read. That's all they had. They had 1 Timothy. Did you all understand what I just said? The average American has eight Bibles in their home. They had First Timothy. A church had First Timothy for 10 years. Let's treasure God's word. Let's treasure God's word. Let's treasure. Let's stay connected to the vine. Let me give the third and final thing and we'll close. Number one, everybody say, accept pruning. We have to have perspective. We have to understand, okay, we have to understand what's going. Let that press us into God. Number two, we got to stay planted in God, and we need to stay connected to one another. One another. Number three, always persist. Always persist. Don't take it personal when persecution shows up on your doorstep. Let me help you. John chapter 15. This is all John chapter 15. Please stay with me. John chapter 15, verse 18. If the world hates you. I was putting this message together today. This is such a hard message for a pastor to preach. Even preachers want to be liked, by the way. But more than that, I'm going to stand before God one day. I want to make sure you're equipped with the gospel. I want to make sure that you know the whole thing. I want to, you, you've got to know John chapter 15. This is going to help some of you guys with perspective. Some of you guys, the pressure was heavy at work. It's been heavy with your family. People are mocking you. Do you guys remember in America where you used to get extra credit for being a Christian? Now you get demerits. You really believe the Bible? You really believe that thing? I want to say this again. I appreciate our constitutional freedoms. I, I believe in that. I'm so grateful for the First Amendment. I'm so grateful for that. But if that thing is removed, that's not going to change my walk with Jesus. I'm still going to preach Christ. I'm still going to be bold about my faith. I'm still going to love God. I'm still going to stand for biblical values. Are y'all with me? That's important that we understand that. 
Three people are excited about that. The rest of y'all are just like, I can't wait to get out of here. Well, you're accountable now, you've heard it. If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. Isn't that a tough scripture? If you were of the world, if you looked like the world, if you talked like the world, if you acted like the world, if you had the world's lifestyle, the world would love you, but you're not because you're not of the world. Question, are you of the world? Have you been born again? Are you a follower of Jesus? Oh, I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you. If they persecuted me, they'll persecute you. If they kept my word, they would keep yours also. Remember, Jesus is about to go to the greatest trial of his life. He was mocked, he was ridiculed, he was persecuted. Ultimately, he was nailed to a cross. This is really about, let me just help everybody as I close. The battle is really not about you. This is not about you. It's about Christ. The difference is they liked you before you were a believer. The difference is Christ is in you now. The difference is you believe the book. The difference is you're filled with the Holy Spirit. Quit taking persecution so personal. It's not about you. It's about Christ in you, the hope of glory. That's what it's about. Last scripture, Mark chapter four, talking about persecution. Jesus said, these likewise are the ones sown on stony ground, who when they hear the word, immediately they receive it with gladness and they have no root in themselves. And they endure only for a time. You guys know believers like that? Only for a time. It's like, they were they saved? Were they not saved? I don't know, but they only endured for a time. And afterwards, where tribulation or persecution arises for the word's sake, they stumble. The word's sake. The word's sake. You know, it's been a thing recently. I've seen these just different people and popular people that have recanted their faith and said, I'm no longer a Christian. I no longer believe the Bible. And my first question is, were they really a Christian to begin with? How do you deconstruct your faith? You know, there's a big thing called deconstructionism. You deconstruct a philosophy and an ideology. You don't deconstruct a personal, vibrant, transformational relationship with the living God. Are you with me? You, you can't, let me tell you something, you can't talk, this is, I didn't buy into a philosophy, I didn't buy into a, a deep ideological construct. I was on drugs, even though my mom still disagrees with that. <laughs> Drinking alcohol in trouble, you wanna know I was in trouble with the police as a kid? I was in fights all the time. Handcuffed, thrown against cars, why? I was transformed by Jesus when I was in Tulane University. You can't talk me out, it's too late. I've been changed by God. I've been changed by God. And that's what the, the, the reality of what, what how, were you transformed by Christ? Or did you mentally ascend to some theological concepts? Well, if you were talked into it, you can be talked out of it. Don't take it personal. Don't take it personal. It's about Jesus. I didn't take it personal with my blood father. I didn't take it personal with my brother. I don't take it personal with my friends. And by the way, I'm not fired up for God because I'm a preacher. I was 12 years a Christian before I was a preacher. Are you with me? So what are we going to do? We're going to keep loving people. We're not going to go in a hole in Montana and wait for the rapture and all those bad people. No, those people are bound. 
They need the love of God. They need Christ. They need us to go serve them and cut their grass next Saturday and love them in the name of Jesus. That's what the world needs. Are you with? That, 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 that's what the world needs. That's what Church of the King is a go and, ser, a go and do church. We're going to serve people. We're going to love people. We're going to smile. We're going to care for people. And then, they're gonna, then the, some of the people are going to get born again. They're going to try. They're going to see our good works. And it's going to connect them to our Father in heaven and say, there's something different about them. Something different. So we're not going to be a church that talks about the big, bad world out there. We're going to be a church that's talking about the messed up, broken, hurting world that desperately needs the love and the presence of Almighty God. So I close with this. I know this was a tough message. Here's the problem. If you're a pastor, you got to teach the whole thing. you got to teach the whole thing. You need to think about it. Think about it. Hopefully this equipped you today. It equipped the disciples to be able to birth the church in the book of Acts. God loves you. God loves the world. And he needs some Christians to not get angry. Here's what he needs. To not capitulate to culture. To not crater to self-pity. To not heat up and scream at the world. But to love the world. And to know persecutions come. But we're going to love you. We're going to serve you. We're going to care for you in the name of Jesus. Because you don't see it till your eyes are opened up. And then when you see Christ... Everything changes. How many are grateful for Jesus? Are y'all grateful for Christ? I'm gonna pray for you. I'm gonna ask everybody to bow their heads. If you do not know Christ at all of our campuses, I'm gonna pray for you right now. If you say, Pastor, pray for me, I need Jesus. Every one of our campuses, those in Baton Rouge and Biloxi and Bay St. Louis, those in Kenner, those that are joining us, thousands that join us online each week. If you do not know Jesus, I've got one minute left. I'm going to give you an opportunity. Do you know Christ? Do you know the Jesus I'm talking about? I'm not talking about a mythology. I'm not talking about a philosophy. I'm not talking about an ideology. Do you have a personal relationship with the glorious man, Christ Jesus? Has he transformed your heart? 32 years ago, my heart was changed by Jesus. Sure, I make mistakes. Sure, I falter at times. But my life was changed by Christ. Do you know him? Do you know the glorious man, Christ Jesus? In just a moment, with everybody's heads bowed and eyes closed, say, Pastor, pray for me. I need Christ. I'm going to ask at the count of three, just for you to lift your hand up high so I can see it. Pastor, pray for me. I need Christ. The Bible says, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Do you know Jesus? At the count of three, would you just lift your hand up high? One, two, three. Pastor, pray for me. I need Christ. God bless you, sir. God bless you, sir. God bless you right there. Anybody else? God bless you right there. God bless you, ma'am. Anybody else? Pastor, pray for me. I need Christ. God bless you, sir. God bless you right there. God bless you, sir. God bless you, buddy. God brought you here today, bud. Jesus loves you, man. Anybody else? Let me pray for you, church. Let's pray with those that are trusting Christ. Come on, everybody. Let's pray together. Say, dear Jesus. Come on, let's pray louder. Dear Jesus, I come to you today. A sinner in need of a Savior. Say, Jesus, I repent of my sin. I let go of my old life, and I turn to you. I turn to the cross. Say, Jesus, wash me with your blood. Give me a new heart, a new life, a new reason to live. I want you to say this. Say, Jesus, I take my life, and I put it in your hands. From this day forward, I belong to you. Let me pray. Father, I thank you for the sealing work of the Holy Spirit and the word of the living God taking root deep in the hearts of your people. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. I want everybody to look at me. Give me 30 more seconds. At all of our campuses, if you prayed and trusted Christ, 
There's a card behind your chair called My Decision. I'm asking you to fill it out. Here's what's cool. All the buckets now are on the back, on the way out. You just simply drop it in there. Why? I want to send you a letter personally talking about what it means to follow Jesus on a daily basis. Or you can text DECISION to 822-822. I'm going to ask everybody to stand. Did that help anybody today? Come on. Did it help anybody? I, I, know, I know it's a thinking message. I, I, I'm asking you to just think about it all week long. How does this apply to my life? Next week, we'll talk about the Holy Spirit. Totally different angle. How to be filled with the Spirit, who the Holy Spirit is. But this message, matter of fact, you ought to go back and listen to it again and meditate on the Scriptures. We need to be equipped to stand for the love of God in any culture that we're in. Father, bless your people as they go forth this day. May the grace of God be upon their lives. But fill us with your spirit. Fill us with the power of your word to stand for the gospel with our hearts filled with love, ministering to a broken, hurting world in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, can we give the Lord a hand clap? Come on, can we bless the Lord? Love you guys. Hey, God bless you. We'll see you next week. What another incredible message in our Be Happy series. This series has been so good and I've learned so much. And as we closed it out, I wanna encourage you to go back and listen to any past weeks that you may have missed. You know what, this is an eight part series. So if you're like me, I can't always remember everything, but I do know every single message was so good. So just like Missy said, go back, check them out, share them with your friends. Um, It's gonna be a great, great time just to really, really review that. So guys, thank you once again for being at church with us today. We hope you have a great week and we'll see you next week.